0: Welcome to the Get Deep Podcast, where premium spirits meet quality conversation, featuring your extremely good-looking co-hosts, Aaron Jones and Wes Otto. Now, take off those floaties, get your ass out of the shallow end, and let's get deep.
1: You sound good? Sounds excellent. I mean, we know you sound sexy, but how do you sound to you? Um, it sounds, it sounds beautiful. You could add a little more bass into my voice. Yeah? No. It's Make good. you sound No, better. the whiskey, the whiskey. Sexy. the whiskey will do that eventually. You'll just see
0: this cliff. Oh yeah. The <laughs> cliff will come. Depending do how long we end up being here for sure. Oh boy. So, um, let's see here. Marcus Taplin. Uh, do you have a middle name, Marcus? Uh, Tyler. Tyler. There we go. MTT. Wes always gives me shit because I like to know people's middle names. I'm not sure why I'm obsessed, probably because I have two. Um, so if you want one, let me know. But uh, so Marcus Tyler Taplin. Correct. yeah. I love it. Joining us tonight on the uh, Get Deep podcast. Super excited to have him. He's a good guy. Uh, he actually is so kind. He even brought us uh, some gifts. Um, we've got, uh, do you want to say anything about the cigars you brought at all or any of the whiskey?
1: No, they just uh, they looked good. I got a, I got a little whiskey bourbon cigar shop, so I p- picked up some gifts on the way down, and I'm looking forward to trying out the Chancaska Spirits as well. Yeah. I'll just
2: say you're my new favorite guest. Bringing <laughs> gifts is always a plus. You get right into my favorites list.
0: <laughs> Wes loves gifts, and who doesn't, right? So Marcus uh, I met years ago um, through... I would say it was Christy and Matt Holt, some good friends, uh, mutual mm-hmm. friends. And most likely it was at J. Long's originally. But uh, there was also some videos that Marcus and team shot for J. Long's for some marketing purposes. And they did a fantastic job. Uh, one of the videos I remember um, being in a suit with my Cohort at J. Long's Matt Long climbing on an MSU rock wall and having to hold position for multiple minutes, and I was sweating my ass off because <laughs> if anybody's ever climbed a rock wall, you're it hurts your fingers if yeah. you're not used to it. it you could really get to build that up.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of core strength that goes into that.
0: Absolutely, oh, you had to bring up the core strength. Thanks, thanks a lot. Um, so I don't know what Marcus. So I know I know that I would call you a master of cinematography. Um, but other titles that I know that you post on some of your things is is what's a DP,
1: yeah? So there's you know, it's kind of besides it, double penetration, yeah. That's uh, you can edit that out that's the ways. opposite. Um, basically, yeah, cinematographer, director of photography, there's kind of two different ways to say the same thing, basically. Okay, uh, tomato, tomato. Um, I'm also. Starting to direct a lot more, Um, so I kind of uh, do a little bit of all that gamut as far as creating content. um, You know, working with ad agencies, working with brands, sports teams, and um, it's been uh, it's been a fun ride. You got your start here um,
0: at Bethany Lutheran College, BLC. Yep, correct. Yeah, Um, which is again, we worked with you and your team there, and, and got a chance to meet some people on your team at the time. Uh, so that's kind of a cool local story. You're not from here originally. You're from the city of lakes area. Is yep. that correct? Yep. Um, Fairmont.
1: yep. Went to high school in Fairmont, um, lived and grew up in a very small town of Grenada, about 300 people ish. So had a post office, a bar and a gas station. And
0: when you left, they had to change the sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they <Very> did. Sad <laughs> they day, did. They actually, it's
1: actually on you to change the sign when you leave. Oh, it is. <laughs> you go out there with the marker, <laughs> <Yeah>. scratch it off. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I uh, I uh, went to school in Fairmont, uh, played sports there, and kind of um, developed my love for video production and sports broadcasting um, at kind of an early age there. Uh, I kind of, uh, I have this a little bit of a story. Basically, I was in ninth grade. Um, I got brought up to start practicing football with, uh, with the varsity team as a ninth grader. And, like, one of my first couple of practices, I had a big offensive lineman fall on my foot and, like, thought I broke my foot, go in. They're like, yep, you got a hairline fracture. And then and then the coaches are like, we need someone to shoot coaching footage. And so, basically, I got handed a camera, and I met um, a gentleman by the name of Bruce Abbotts, who ran the local community access television and um, was in charge of kind of doing a um, grassroots, like, uh, televised production of of high school football and so that's kind of what evolution wise there kind of grew into that my kind of four years and then found out about a week later it actually wasn't broken so
0: (laughs) crazy (laughs) though how those things happen in life and lead you to different doors exactly that's nuts yep you would have never picked up that camera most likely I mean I shouldn't say never but maybe not
1: yeah I mean it was never it was never a thing a thought for me and then I started to enjoy it, and, and it, you know, I really attribute it to Bruce. It's just, like, he had a passion for what he did, and it, it was radiating from, from what he did every day, and so, like, it was very contagious to, like, go down to a studio and learn how to run a camera, start to edit, um, just understand the process of live television and, and kind of starting early on with, you know, video production.
0: Did you catch on quick? Did it seem like very natural it, to you, or yeah, did you feel like you kind of got better as the, the years have went on here?
1: Um, yeah, I mean it's it's definitely a, a progress that you that you do as you as you learn more, and it's uh, that's what I really enjoy about it is, like you can you're never done learning in this uh, industry. There's always new techniques or or a different way to apply kind of a. Uh, uh, a look or a technique with kind of the emotions of a character if you're working in um, you know film film production or you're trying to tell a story arc and how you, how you start to layer in um, different emotions with lighting and camera movement and lensing and I mean there's just you can you can experiment and you can kind of develop your own style
2: Well you already alluded to it but you started out on the, the sports broadcasting type kind of live production type, Yep. Route right, but what you just described is what you're actually more so doing today, which is those kind of commercials, the creative storytelling, mm-hmm. um, those styles of video. So a little bit different than the live broadcast side.
1: Yeah, yeah. I um, so yeah. Right after after, uh, well, it was in the middle, my between my junior and senior high school. I went to actually a, a broadcasting camp um, at a uh, at a college that they put on for like a week. Um, and that was like, then I instantly knew, I'm like, all right, I, I want to go to, I want to go to school for this. I want to make a career out of this. Um, and so I started looking around at other schools, uh, Wartburg College in Iowa had a pretty good program. St. Cloud State has a really good program. And then in Bethany, and I came up to Bethany and, um, my first visit was coming to a Maverick hockey game and seeing that production. Nice. It was like instant, like, all right, sign me up. Like I'm in like, um, and I had a lot of great opportunities, and I really hit it kind of timing-wise really well at Bethany. Um, what year was this? Let's see, I graduated high school in 2007, um, so it would have been fall of 2007. would have been my first okay. semester at Bethany. Um, and that year was the first year that we had. We bought a trailer. Bethany bought a trailer, and yeah. we outfitted it. And I was hands-on with Running, running cables and soldering XLR connections and building, building the trailer out. And there's some some wild stories about, about that, <laughs> that. And then, uh, and then it was the first year that it, we actually did both uh, MSU uh, Maverick hockey and UMD hockey up in Duluth. Wow. And so <laughs> we would go up to Duluth, and we, I mean, it was almost every every weekend yeah. during, during the hockey season we were we were doing a game.
2: They just finally sold that trailer, by the way i'm pretty confident that they
1: i'm talking about the first trailer there's two trailers okay and i was involved in building both of them and then cool the studio kind of came along and um you know there was a so it was it was a great learning opportunity very hands-on and that's what i loved about bethany they're just an excellent program the class size is so small there's so many tools there um you know there would, there would always be a camera available and you know, you go to a bigger school and sometimes you can touch a camera until you're junior. Hmm, and it's yeah. like, no, I want to, I want to get my hands on stuff right away. And, um, and it was just uh, there's a good culture there in the, in the hockey broadcasting program at Bethany.
0: Is that pro what's that program called at Bethany?
1: Um, I think it's changed names a couple times, but, um, broadcast journalism was kind of the name that it was under. And then, uh, Maverick hockey production, um, You know, it was kind of around there, Um, and then they have, like, a media arts program that's kind of in the communication, underneath the communication umbrella, Um, that's kind of a different track, more graphic design, 3D design, filmmaking, Um, and, you know, there's kind of a a couple professors there that kind of run each of those.
2: Well, and they've got a private production company, too, Stone Pass Studios, right?
1: Very cool.
0: Does... does MSU have anything like that, that it offers and they collaborate with Bethany students or
1: is Bethany kind of known to be the ones behind Maverick hockey, uh, in the sport? Yeah. Um, Bethany's kind of been, been in it from the beginning. Uh, you know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with um, a person named Daniel Mundell. Um, he's the CFO at Bethany, I think, uh, still. And, uh, he's kind of the, you know, the guy that really started the program and, um, worked with uh, charter communications back when it was charter and, um, Got Maverick Hockey on on TV and really kind of built that brand. And I mean, what are the twenty five wow. years they've been doing broadcasting now for Maverick Hockey? It's right. pretty crazy. They just landed in
0: Albany, New, uh, New York today. Oh. Getting ready for that uh, tourney. Maverick, yeah, we're
1: gonna we're gonna we're gonna get an Addy this year. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, eleven a.m. tomorrow. I think is uh, game time. Um, you gonna watch? Uh, my plan is to. I gotta find the find the channel at. I'll be working, so oh, maybe. Sure. And, you know, I'm actually feeling a little sick. Uh, yeah, <clears throat> but, <laughs> there's yeah, a watch do, party, isn't there? Downtown. A
1: there's cookie. a couple. Yeah, yeah,
2: there's one at Pub 500 and one at uh, Buffalo Wild Wings. Of course, by the time this airs, we'll already know the results of the game. Right, but.
0: right. Huh. Well, that's that's awesome. I. Um, so getting into the program at Bethany, did it seem? How long did it uh, take you to realize after? Did you know right away when you got into the program, like, hey, this is going to be what I want to, what I want to do for my career? Or did you, were you involved yourself, you were learning, you were meeting people, and you, and, uh, you thought, okay, this is really fun right now, but totally. maybe when I leave here I want to do something else? Or did you kind of know right away?
1: No, I mean, it, it even goes back to, I would say, probably about 10th grade of high school. Like, I knew one, like, my goal was to produce Monday Night Football. Like, in-game, be in the truck, and, and produce Monday Night Football. That was kind of always my what I was reaching for sure. kind of working towards. And so, um, working, working, um, with Bethany and, and, the student production led there. Um, I came in as a freshman and I started producing the 30 minute pregame show. Um, so just planning it, organizing it, shooting, making sure people are shooting interviews, getting, getting features done, um, writing scripts and just kind of like really jumped in two feet and kind of, kind of took control of that. And then, um, the next year, I became the game producer, and that's kind of like the leadership role in the, in the production. Um, it's it's a job. I mean, I 40, 50 hours a week, easy on top of school, or and on top of maybe trying to make some money at <laughs> another job or right. something to you know get through college. So it's a big time commitment, um, but I loved it. It was very passionate about it. Um, couldn't get enough of it, and that was kind of just. You know, you're know, you surrounded with probably about 20, 25 ki- p- kids that are as passionate about it as you are. So it's very easy to kind of work with each other and kind of let that snowball into it. Um, and then, so I, yeah, I produced games for three years, my uh, sophomore, junior, senior year. Um, and then got an internship at Fox Sports in the cities. Um, and then got hired like in february at fox like even before i graduated um as a and so i would i took a kind of a i had was able able to have kind of a little bit of a lighter class load my last semester and worked and still went to school and then pretty much day after graduation moved up the cities and was working full-time at fox what was the role with fox um so i started out as a like a production assistant um kind of associate producer um but yeah, mostly as a, like a they call it a production assistant, but basically you're an editor. Yeah. Um, so I was editing um, pregame and postgame shows for Twins, Wild, and you know Fox Sports North and Fox Sports Wisconsin are in the same studio, so we did Bucks and um, Brewers games as well, and so you know go for hockey, uh, Minnesota Wild. All that, And so there's kind of, a you know, there's different kind of roles within wh- whatever you're scheduled for the day. But I did um, I did a lot of editing and then kind of started shooting um, and, and shooting more video with the staff photographer who kind of like took me under his wing and kind of learned that a little bit as I was there.
2: So not quite the Monday Night Football, but 100% on the track that you were interested in doing. I mean, totally. those are some really cool exposures for anyone that's a sports fan, but... Also on the video side, I mean, to be hands-on with those types of programs is really cool.
1: Yeah, no, it was a it was a great learning experience. You you get to understand the business of, of sports broadcasting, um, and it's really a uh, um, it, it's you're around so many people, and it's so competitive. It's such a competitive industry and in a field because you know you're working with professional athletes. Um, you're doing sports. Everyone loves sports. Um, you know. And so there's, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that come in from the con- around the country that are, are really good um, at what they do. And so you you kind of work towards that and, and, you know, you build on that. And I, I think I what I worked at Fox for about three and a half years.
0: Cool. And how many hours a week do you think you're working and you're doing that position at
1: Fox and doing what you're
0: doing? Yeah, just grinding. It w-
1: yeah, it was a full-time job. It was, you know, 40 hours a week. You were kind of capped at that. And so then I kind of um, started to work on some projects on my own, started, I had a, you know, it was right when DSLR started to really come out, come around and people were using cameras, um, stills cameras to get excellent video at the time. Um, and so I had bought a camera and I kind of started doing my own thing a little bit on the side and, you know, networking with a lot of people. And then, you know, it kind of came to a head where it was like, all right, I'm, I'm, it's, it's hard to work both schedules. Right.
0: When you think about yourself, Marcus, as, as um, a person when it comes to what you do now and what you've done then, not that it can it has to be one or the other. There can be multiple things, right? We can sh- You can shift and mold into different things, but would you consider yourself a, a super creative person or would you consider yourself a person that's a grinder and just a hard worker that is willing to put in the work or do you think it's a collaboration of both? Um, how would you describe yourself and why you've had the success you've had?
1: Um, you know, honestly I was, uh, up until probably, you know, six, seven years ago, I never really thought of myself as like an artist or a creative. Um, just because I never really had that exposure. I didn't go to museums. I didn't watch a lot of movies. I didn't, um, do paintings or it was just never holistic from that standpoint. Um, I was very sports focused and sports broadcasting focused. So like what I do now, um, there's still tie into sports, but it's Developed into more of a a broader creative role, and there's so much psychology and thought that goes into making um, branded films and commercials for companies and ad agencies. Um, and you know, it's a process. So, and I've enjoyed that, and I've uh, really kind of embraced, you know, finally being able to feel like I can call myself an artist now.
2: It's cool. I am. Um- I was chatting with Kurt Schrader, who I know you know, Yep, and uh, just said, Kurt, I know you've told me about Marcus. Why don't you give me some tidbits, give me some info on him before he comes in? And I'll sprinkle some of those in throughout the podcast. But one of the things that he said to me is when I knew him at Bethany, I knew him as a very intelligent, hardworking, um, efficient, and get-her-done kind of guy in college. I didn't really know him as the creative, but he really grew into that through that hard work when he left college and so it's cool because he's mirroring exactly what you said about yourself and how you see yourself and how you've evolved so it was just a neat insight to hear that from someone else that also
1: admires your work yeah no i've i appreciate that i think um that is something you know i've my both my parents were um you know small business owners and entrepreneurs in their own right and um so i get a lot of that from them and just the the drive and and from my dad and and just kind of like wanting to pursue things and um that and so I think that started out that way and it, it kind of developed into when I found a love uh it really kind of came down to I found a love for like lighting spaces and people <laughs> sure. and like started in on that track and then it kind of evolved from there
2: what did your parents do
1: um so my dad worked at a he was a plant manager at a plastic plant but then he had a body shop that he did on the side okay um my mom owned a wedding store in fairmont and i actually used to in the summer help out when i was in high school do fittings and sell texas
0: i knew it (laughs) because when i tried to work with marcus the last time he was in jay long's he was just adamant he needed to measure my inseam. And I thought, <laughs> You're the client here, buddy. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. friends, but you're the client. Why are you measuring my inseam? But of course, I gave in because anybody who wants to give me your tape measure. measure my inseam, I'm cool with it. It's you know, I'm all about getting deep on this podcast <laughs> and in real life. So, so you helped out measuring people in that business. Yeah, what hello. was the b- name of that business in Fairmont?
1: Uh, Elegant Fair. Uh, is was, it still around? Uh, nope. Okay. My mom is, uh, I'm, a, uh, I'm an, I was kind of an oops. Like I was, my brothers are, and sisters are way older than me and um, my parents are are older. Um, And so, yeah, it was like, I think, what is it? Savvy formal wear was Mm -hmm. like a big thing. Like when, when she got that line in there, but you know, she did proms and weddings and, and tuxes and some formal wear and stuff like that. So it was, you know, I was kind of rounded a little bit, you know, I was, at that time I was, you know, 16, 17, so it wasn't <laughs> too one, I wanted yeah. to hang around mom and dad. It was like driving my car around. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, that's uh, an important insight, though, because that was one of the other nuggets that Kurt gave me, which was that he thought you were very entrepreneurial-minded. And from some of our other mutual connections, it certainly seems that way because you've got a number of irons in the fire. Um, one specific story was related to a pretty high-end piece of a camera, camera equipment that you bought early on in your career. Mm-hmm. Um, that by most people's standards would be consp- considered pretty expensive and uh, really a risk take, right? Yeah. That's, uh, that was a big risk. Can you maybe tell folks a little bit about that camera specifically and what went into that?
1: Yeah. So um, that was kind of a. Uh, right when I was leaving Fox to kind of pick it up from there. Um, it got to the point where, you know, I was, the scheduling thing, it was like, alright, so basically it came came down to, like, October, and I was told told my producer, I was like, I think I just need to be taken off the schedule for this month, and let's, let's take it month by month, and they were actually, like, super gracious about that. I actually never quit or got fired from Fox, like, I just stopped getting scheduled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the perfect way. Right, so just kind of, yeah, like, sailed off good. in there. So I, um, uh, two weeks into that, um, kind of journey, I get a call from now who um, a lady by the name of Maria Carrera who's a really good friend of mine right now always has been um, she called me to do a little show called Diners, Drivings, and Dives mm, Nice, a little show town. <laughs> a little show so I did that for about a year I got uh, their, the camera guy they had um, jumped off a boat in Mexico broke his leg and then I got a call to come in and sure I went to I went to Nashville New York California Hawaii just like boom 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 um, and so that's where I really started to experience travel as well and that's become a, a big part of my job um, but basically kind of as I as I started to build my freelance career um, I I made the decision that I, I needed to own a professional camera and so doing research um, you know there's a, there's kind of two manufacturers that kind of, as far as high-end cinema cameras, that would be Aerie, which is a German company, and Red, which is kind of an American company made out in L.A. So I did my research and um, decided I wanted to get an an Aerie Amira. It's still on the camera. Um, And one of the deciding factors is because that was the camera that NFL Films switched from shooting film to digital. It was the first Mm -hmm. digital camera that they bought, and they bought... I don't know, twenty six of them, just like boom, and uh, so I bought a camera and a lens, um, went into debt in about a hundred grand, and was like, "All right, let's do this." Let's 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 had see how to go we can to the do bank, this. right? I had to go to the bank. Yeah, it was uh, it's kind of my first experience, and um, n- knowing what I know now, um, going to a a big company like Wells Fargo to get a loan as a first time loan. <laughs> uh, is, uh, it's challenging. I got it done. Um, but <laughs> it's, ch- it's not as easy as working with a community bank. Right. Yeah. I can
0: imagine. Plus they didn't have their family dog anymore cause they needed something for collateral. Well, and <laughs> show you dog. know
1: that too. And then, you know, as a self-employed individual, you know, trying to show income and it's, it's very challenging. So I was able to pull it off and, um, it was, oh. a it was a great, It was a great decision. It was was a risk, um, but it is paid dividends. Well,
2: and for folks that don't know how big of a risk that is, most people that are in your shoes wait till they have a project, and then they go and rent that from either some sort of company that specifically rents that gear or Mm -hmm. from another individual. So for you to go and bet and put all chips in on that particular move and then own it, did you end up renting it at all or finding other... You know, income sources using it.
1: Yeah, so basically, it kind of works. Um, you know, I worked as an owner operator for a while, and so that was kind of built into my rate a little bit. Um, and then um, was able to, you know, have some people rent it out on the side. But it's uh, it was primarily just using it for my projects and the projects I was on. Okay. Cool. Would you
0: agree with this quote, Marcus? If you want to take the island, burn the boats. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought about that that quote that I love so much. When you said you bought that camera and went in, and that was the first loan, big loan thing you've ever done. Do you have a car loan before that at all, or not really?
1: Or is this Um, the first legit
0: loan? Yeah, no, it was.
1: It was. I mean, this was probably. I would say you know, twenty late twenty thirteen, early twenty fourteen. is kind of when I did this. Sure. Good to have a
2: little credit buildup.
1: A little bit, but yeah, you know my, my. Uh, we were, we were living in Wisconsin at the time. My, my wife, um, who I met at Bethany, um, was in the broadcasting program with me. Hi uh, Emily, right? Hey girl.
0: <laughs> Marcus isn't here in studio. Doesn't have a shirt on. She probably won't listen to this. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, not big enough yet, Wes. I'm yeah, get bigger.
1: <laughs> but yeah, so she was. Uh, she worked at ABC uh, in Eau Claire and was an on-air news reporter anchor. Um, so she drove an hour to Eau Claire, and I drove an hour to the cities. And so it was like. You know, we were we were definitely taking our lumps and kind of getting through it early on in your career to kind of build something. Um, and so that was kind of at the time that I was like, all right, let's let's make this happen. And you know, we didn't have we didn't have kids. We just you know had cheap rent in Wisconsin and tried to make it work. Cool. Well, it's worked. It, it has worked. Yeah.
2: There was one thing that was thrown out earlier that I don't want to leave laying on the table, which is Diners Driving and Dodge. <laughs> yes, keep Mr. going on that, Mr. Flavor You are going to have to tell us stories, and you are also going to have to tell me how I can get Zans on Diners Driving and Dodge. Uh, I, I know, need that I know, hack. I know Here
1: people. I know people. I've
2: been to his birthday party.
1: Oh, yeah. there we go. How,
2: how is he? Is he a pretty great guy?
1: You know, he's your he's your typical celebrity, right? You know, um, what does that mean? You, <laughs> Marcus but, knows because he's been around I mean, a lot I know, of them. I know Wes
0: is, you know, <laughs> the oh, biggest celebrity I know. But other than that, I mean,
1: well, you know, you've, you've g- you got to know Wes. But you know, if you walk down on the street and someone's hassling you, he's probably going to tell you to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, um, probably. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, so guy, guy's a good dude. Um, he is a jokester, a razzer. Like it's. I mean, I have a photo where we were in one time and. He was very keen. I'm a shorter person. So he's very keen on making sure that um, the angle of the camera is important. You don't want to see those double chins. You don't yeah. want to be shooting under. You know, ask any any uh, Instagram influencer. You don't want to be shooting low angle. Nope. Like for a beauty shot, you want to be straight on or just slightly above the nose. Um, and so I was shorter. And so I would lay down Pelican cases to stand on to get my get my level of the camera up a little bit. Um, what the-
0: can I stop you for a second? What the hell is a pelican case?
1: To us it's just like a regular mil- people it, here. It's a military like hard case. You know, okay. they they're used in all 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 different things. But yeah, it's okay. like a travel like a gun case or okay. something like that. Okay. Um. So I I would stand on those. But then he had this bright idea in in California one time. He he brings me over. He like stop. We're like shooting. He like stops production. Grabs me and like pulls me over and then like takes the camera and then. Brings out these giant can tomato cans, makes me stand on them and like tapes them to my feet. <laughs> Homemade stilts. And I'm walking around on tomato cans and like that's just the kind of jokester he is. And it's like he'll throw food at you. You know, it's just it's it's a fun, fun environment to be in. Um, and it that show turned me into a foodie, that's for sure. You know?
2: <laughs> yeah, it's a great show, and he seems like a very great character, and it sounds like he is in real life, which is cool.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah, guy, guy guy, is a guy, that's for sure. He, he will hang out with you, drink beers, uh, party, like, you know, and then also just, like, when it comes down to, like, doing business and, like, getting, getting the job done, he's very efficient with that. It's like, you know, um, the show is very uh, formulaic and very laid out in the way it's shot and the way the crews go into a city and we'll shoot six restaurants in a week. There's two crews, and it's, like, all divided out. And so you, you do a B-roll day where you're just shooting all the food, like, every, like, every ingredient, pepper going in, salt going in, you know, every little ingredient shots. Then I would shoot a lot of the beauty stuff, um, light the food, and shoot kind of that final plated dish um, for the show. And then guy would come in for, you know, a half a day, and we'd shoot the interviews. We'd shoot the process back in the kitchen with the chefs and, and kind of go through it. And it was uh, – once you understood the process, it was it was it was very easy to come come to.
0: How many people does it take on a team? I mean, different numbers for different shoots, but like on average, to create the creative team that does these things, whether it's for uh, diners, what is that again? Triple D, Triple yeah. D. We'll just go with Triple D because I'm going to screw it up. Um, or other productions that you've done with the Lakers and other other peoples, which we'll get into eventually. What's Is it a huge team? Is it a, you know, what's the numbers look like here? It's
1: it's scalable. Like, um, I've been on productions, you know, where it's 10 people and I've been on productions where it's 150 people. Um, you know, it kind of just depends on what the creative demands, what the budget is obviously. Um, and just, you know, what, what are you trying to accomplish in the amount of time you're given? And that's the biggest thing when working with professional athletes or uh, celebrity talent, um. Their time is worth money, and they're only going to be there for a certain amount of time. So you have to be very efficient. Too to, many more people. You have to know what's going on. So, yeah, it's like multiple lighting setups set up. So you're just walking from one thing to the next. Like, there's yep. no – they're not waiting for you to light anything. They want everything right. done. It's just, you know, run um, through it.
0: On right. that note, as far as a – so I'm just going to name off a a, little, a small little list here. Unless, Wes, you want to take me aside for a second? Just
2: one one quick question. What was the shoot with 150 <laughs> people?
1: Um, Let's see. That would be a uh, production we did out in L.A. Um, there was a um, a combo platter. It was a fairly recent shoot um, with Riot Video Games. Oh, okay. Not what I was expecting.
2: I thought it was going to be some like movie level production or something.
1: Yeah. So it, you know, in, in when I talk, when I say that, you know, that's from pre-production to post-production. You know, there's multiple True. people. There's agencies involved and clients, and you know, yeah,
2: big process. Yep. Sorry, Aaron, go ahead.
0: Oh, I was just going to say, so, um, you know, and and this is just a a small list of uh, companies and people that Marcus and team have worked with, for those of you who are listening so far, and go, I don't know who he is, and, like, okay, this guy went to Bethany and grew up in Fairmont, the city of Lakes in Minnesota. (laughs) Um, He's short and sweet, just like Wes and I, all those things. But, okay, here's here's a few things. Okay, you got like Hormel and you've got, uh, you know, Cub Foods and Nature Valley. Uh, How about the Las Vegas Raiders or the LA Galaxy or ESPN or Alvin Kamara or Coolio or LeBron James or the Alabama Roll Tide football team, uh, UFC? I mean, there's just a, a few there and obviously he just told us about some other celebrities too, but... Do you have something that sticks out in your mind um, that would be the biggest diva <laughs> person that you worked with, like you said, that uh, they're like, you know, I'm I'm God, so I got this is my time, and I'm, well, for lack of a better phrase, going to be a little bitch about this thing, so get yeah, it done.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think. Um, I feel like I just had this conversation earlier um, and, like, we added someone to the list. Um, there's a whole list. There's, there's, a, there's a few people. Uh, you know, a lot of NBA guys are, are definitely divas in my in my opinion. Sure. Um, more than other sports, you're saying? Yeah. The, you know, if, if I'm ranking them, you know, you got your, your NHL guys and your soccer guys, and those guys are super cool. They'll shoot the shit with you. You'll hang out with them a little bit more. And then, you know, you start to get up the line of NBA, NFL, um, and the time is very limited and um, there's almost very limited interaction. Um, I would I'm trying to think.
0: uh, If um, you want to think on that one for a second, we could go opposite because I'm going to ask you both. So maybe go this route. Who is somebody that you've worked with and maybe knew him a little bit or her a little bit? But you walked away being like, that person's really fucking cool. And yep. I they, they were just down to earth and uh, that route. Anybody that stands out to you there or, or yeah. team in general. Because you worked with teams, too. You worked with multiple athletes on teams.
1: Yeah, we do. I do a lot of media day stuff. I mean, LeBron is super cool. Like, he's a good dude. He's very, he's businesslike. Like, I mean, that man has got it all. From the talent, I mean, what you, he's second all time in points now. He just passed uh, the mailman, and yep. he's only behind Kareem Abdul Jabbar. That's a mouthful, Kareem um,
0: Abdul Jabbar. Yeah, yeah. You didn't sky, say that, but you can't see the I know. I've always screwed up on the <laughs> triple D. I yeah. have always,
1: um, but yeah, no. I mean, LeBron was very cool. Um, I work. I did a did a commercial spot with Dirk Bentley, and he was super cool to hang out with, and we did. Uh, at one of his concerts. Wasn't
2: it uh, Stunt Monkey that said that they had Dirk Bentley in town for a concert and they went and played hockey with him? Yep. It was super He's cool. He's a big hockey dude. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He asked cool? if he could
0: go skating and they, they got a, a sheet figured out for him and let him skate and, and Stunt said the same thing. Super cool guy, like just gonna, down to earth. And yep.
2: I'm going to brag on us for a minute. We had two guests that had two celebrity interactions that matched up. That's kind of cool. That's cool. Look at that, Wes. A little Mankato, Minnesota. How deep is that? It's pretty deep.
0: You look a little low right there. Yeah, we're about to fresh. So I this think thing uh, I think what we should do, uh, although Marcus did bring us some delicious spirits, which um, is very kind of him, and some cigars here. Um, we are going to shout out to our amazing spirit sponsor, uh, Chancasca Creek Ranch Winery, and oh, that was perfect. The timing was impeccable. Leave it to the media guy, right? The, the creative slash grinder. Uh, and distillery. A lot of people know Chankaska for their awesome wines that you'll find at all sporting events and liquor stores throughout Minnesota, the Midwest, and many other places. But what a lot of people don't realize, you guys, is that they also specialize and have a distillery on site, uh, which actually is pretty cool because there's historical evidence that there was a... Um, help me out here, Wes. Uh,
2: distillery? Distillery? There's there was a, a bootleg distillery kind of during Prohibition era.
0: Thank you. Yeah, yep. I was uh, struggling there. But uh, during the Prohibition era, they, they've got some evidence that there was that going on, which is really cool. It makes me love the grounds even more and loves, love the business even more. So um, let me read off a couple of these uh, cocktails that they have in their spirit room. Uh, Caramel Apple Mimosa, Highball Hibiscus Fizz, Imperial Pom Pom, Casota Rosito, uh, Prohibition Punch, which I always like that one, gin, lemonade, lemon juice, mint, simple syrup, and sparkling wine, Ranch Road Whis- Whiskey, Sweet Cherry Rye, Pumpkin White Russian, things like that. So they also do a line of creams, too, which we have in studio tonight. I think maybe we'll break into this with Marcus, but it's the North Forest Cream, which is maple bourbon pecan liqueur. I've had it before.
2: Folks, it's it, adult chocolate milk, and when I say that, I mean it's as sweet as chocolate milk, but with the Baileys kind of spin to it, but its own kind of deliciousness.
1: Is it a liqueur, or is it a whiskey? Yes, it is a liqueur. Okay. Yeah, it
0: is uh, it is super good, and we, uh, well, it's maple bourbon pecan liqueur, so it's actually a bold blend of pecans,
1: bourbon, and maple syrup, makes for a southern treat interesting tidbit i convinced my mom right after high school to pay for me to go to bartending school at the yeah. minnesota bartender's school
2: that's not a bad skill to have though
1: I never bartended once in a day of <laughs> <in> my life <laughs> you have for yourself though i know how to pour a shot though <laughs> <Heck> yeah
0: <laughs> well i have always thought bartending would be a uh, an awesome skill to know how to do, just like to do it for three months, six months, a year, whatever. Yeah. And and get the skill down and you can make some good money doing it. I, I've heard it, you can burn out pretty fast doing it just with... It's a, it's, a it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle.
2: People is what you were going to say. People well, can suck in a bar setting especially.
0: Absolutely. But I, you, know, you get the late hours, and then, of course, you create those relationships with mainly your staff, but some clients, and now they want to go out for drinks afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. You close <laughs> at midnight, old, now, you go, now you're out till 3 a.m. or yeah. 2.30 a.m. You know, so.
1: Yeah, you're an overnight kind of person then, if you're jumping into that. I can see why that would be. A, Sounds good to me. I mean, I'm, does, a, I'm, I'm a night owl. owl. This, ran, this ranch road is very delicious, though. Yeah, so uh, he just poured
0: him Marcus just poured himself a uh Ranch Road. Is that the Straight Bourbon? It's you're the just straight, straight Bourbon, bourbon yeah. yeah. So you'll have to uh give us your judgment on that. <laughs> Be, nice. Be nice. Be nice. Be nice.
1: It's smooth um on the on the uh on the on the tongue of it right off the bat. But then it starts to warm up, and but it doesn't it, it doesn't burn you all the way down like some Edwards. high proofs or ryes yeah. do. So you get to really enjoy the flavor all the way down, which I enjoy with it. Well, look at that.
2: Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised when I started drinking it regularly. How much I liked it because I used to be a Woodford guy. Um,
1: uh, Woodford's a little too sweet for me. It's uh, yeah. it's what they serve in uh, on the plane. So that's, that's what, right. what I usually drink uh, when I'm flying. Really. So. Yeah, what's your flight of choice? You like your airline Delta. Choice. Delta. I, I'm, I've Delta. been a diamond medallion member on Delta for the last like go. six years, so flying all over the place, flying a lot. Yeah. So 2019, I had 82 flights. Jeez, hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, COVID COVID ate into that a little bit, but yeah, stupid COVID. I know. <laughs> Fuck
0: COVID. You know, here's the thing though: what <laughs> you get as um, at the level that Marcus is with how much he's flown, they've actually invited them to the cockpit and let him hold the controls
1: during a flight. You get the you get the Porsche cool. ride.
0: What's you, the Porsche ride?
1: You guys don't know about this? Mm-hmm. No, please tell me. So when you are, you know, you have to be a diamond medallion. I think you have a million miler. I just became a million miler. So I, I just got my first Porsche ride in LA. And so it's basically when you are making a connection um, and it's a tight connection and basically you get off you deplane and then you know right there where you like drop your bag like sometimes to like when you gate check a bag you just go down the steps and there's a porsche and you jump in it and they take you next to the next gate (laughs) that's awesome
2: that's neat yeah that's really cool the porsche experience Huh. I thought it was something related to the Mile High Club. I thought we were going to get into a confession <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, I know you, I no, I'm not part of the Mile High Club. I, f- I figured too. since you said Emily wasn't going to listen, we were going to start telling some truths here.
1: Sorry, uh, don't mean to get you into trouble. No, 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 there's or no or trouble. <laughs> she's, so, she's frisky. Well, hey, Mama, <laughs> Emily,
0: hey, uh, So speaking on your personal life there, since Emily's name came up, or your wife, uh, so Emily and yourself have
1: been married for how many years? Uh, we just celebrated our 10th wedding anniversary. Shit. Uh, really? This uh, last February. Okay. Or, you know, wow. That's a couple, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. A decade. A decade. Okay. We got married right out of college. Babies. Uh, same with uh, you know our friends. We talked about Matt and Christy Holt, who yeah. is kind of our connection. John? Uh, you mean John? John? He's John Mayer <laughs> to me. I think he looks like John Mayer
0: a little bit. So I, mean, I always call he, him John.
1: He's the most underutilized modeling talent in the city of Mankato. He really is, <laughs> isn't he? He's a good-looking dude. He's, he's an excellent so looking about dude.
2: It. He is. That's a good idea he's, for the he, next Jay Long shoot. He is
1: Mr. <laughs> GQ.
0: He really is. I mean, I wonder if behind the scenes he's not so humble about it. He just kisses, he blows kisses to himself in mirrors and stuff. I but bet. So. You think so? Yeah. I mean, I think so he's
1: got to be vain at some point in his life because he's not right. really he's outward. Not. He's just so. So humble. it's mainly in the mirror. I'm sure he's very vain. Well, we're talking to you, Matt Holt, yeah. John Mayer. I'm staying at his house tonight, yeah, so I'm going to be Wear <I didn't> j <laughs> clothes all day, every day.
0: I don't know what to do with
2: this guy half so,
0: the time. <laughs> so I um, I wanted to ask you this, because speaking of the Holtz, well, let, let's finish this first, then I'll, I'll come to this quote, because we do jump around a lot, and I, I blame Chan Casca whiskey and bourbon and spirits quite often. <laughs> but this one I'll own for my baby brain. Um but uh, let's see, where was I here? So your wife, Emily, is she still in um, media production? What is she doing today? Um, and then I want to
1: talk about your dogs and their huge <laughs> social media influence. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, no, she, she works for the city of Bloomington in their communications department. Um, she's kind of a, a one-woman band. She shoots, she writes, she edits, she produces content. Um, she does... She Freelance writes for some magazines. Um, she's a storyteller. She's really excellent at it. Yeah, she is. Um, and so she really enjoys that. She actually just went to Dubai um, a couple of weeks ago on a, on a work trip. Um, the city of Bloomington and basically the United States is making a pitch to host uh, the World Expo, the World's Fair. And so it was in Dubai uh, about two, three weeks ago. And uh, so she went out there with a contingent of Minnesota senators and and, uh, people from Minnesota to kind of represent Minnesota and Bloomington to kind of make their pitch to uh, try and host the World's Expo. And I think that's in like, I'm going to get the year wrong, 2027 or something like that. It's it's a little little ways out, but
0: Bloomington and Dubai um, (laughs) to make any sort of connection or not at all like Uh, each other.
1: No, just there's, to, there's no find. connection. It's just basically they were they were hosting this year's Worlds Expo. Right.
0: I just wanted to make sure that people if in case they were gonna travel to Bloomington, there's a lot of great things there, but no camels you will not no find camels in Bloomington. Camels or super, super tall, crazy buildings. How did she like Dubai? Dubai.
1: Um, it's, it's nuts. Whenever I look it looks yeah, so it's, futuristic. It's the Vegas of the Middle East, right? Yeah. Um, you know, super tall buildings. They've like um, I mean it, it's 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 flashy. Have you been? I have not I been to just Dubai. That. It was Given it was his on his my flyer status. It was on my list. I've been to a decent amount of countries, but in you know, and I have not uh, been to Dubai. Do you have
0: a favorite place you have traveled so far?
1: Hmm, I would say France or New Zealand. Those two are kind of still at the top of the list. Why those two? Um, both. We go deep here. You gotta give us. Yeah, answer. I can't be. It can't be. <laughs> shallow, no. Um, Get your ass out of the shallow end. That's in the intro. yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, take your forty's um, off, kid. Let's well, go. you know, going deep. So I, b- before the thing that we're not going to mention anymore that ch- changed the world, right. um, we Emily and I, um, we don't have kids, and so our one of our things is we want to go on a two to twenty some day vacation, international vacation, every year, and it's like that's our. It's one of the things we love to do. and so um, you know when we went to we went to New Zealand for two weeks, like sixteen days or something like that, and um, explored the South Island a little bit and um, you know just immersing yourself in a culture is is something that I really come to f- um, really enjoy and I think it uh, it it's one of the things that you know kind of helps me in in some of my creative process as well is because you get to experience different people, different languages, different food and it's just um, it's such a uh, a visceral feeling when you when you start to really almost live at a place for a while and travel and, and kind of do it on a daily, um, and so you know I'm not an all inclusive guy. I'm a, I'm gonna fly somewhere. I'm gonna figure it out, and we're gonna have you know list of restaurants we want to try and places we want to go, and then we'll figure it out on the day. Um, and so doing that um, in New Zealand was was super awesome. There's a, a cool little story that we. We were in um, Waneka, um, New Zealand, which is in the South Island, close to Queenstown. Wanaka, Wanaka. people will argue about it. Um, we won't. But basically, there's. Uh, we were. Um, we took the day, and we had we had our car, and we were just like going to drive. And I like to take photos. I don't. I take a, a film camera and a digital camera when I go on trips like that, and I just that's what I do. I just you know snap photos and look at things and uh basically we're we're driving down this and we're coming out of this like um essentially a national park and coming out and we're like oh let's just cruise down this gravel road so we just like turned off drove down this gravel road came to a came to kind of a a a gate and there was a farmer there a sheep farmer and was like hey can i can i go on your uh property and 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 fly my drone and take some photos he's like oh yeah go ahead go ahead so we drive up there, and we're just, like, parked in the road. And it's just, like, hilly, and there's a lake, and there's huge mountains around. And so we're out. We're out. I'm shooting some videos. and flying the drone, like, over sheep that are, like, on, like, a 45-degree angle mountain. Like, it was just, like, of an epic, like, landscape. And we get there hanging, and this guy comes up with his sheepdog, and uh, they jump out of the truck. They're running around, and we start to talk to him. He's, like... Don't even know this guy he's like I met Oprah It's <laughs> <laughs> like okay yeah, really cool really um, <laughs> and so then he goes in to tell me the story about um, right where we were shooting where we were taking photos of they filmed a scene from I think it was once upon a time the the Oprah Winfrey movie oh. and sure shit I go and like, Googling on my phone, and I like had taken almost the exact same frame that wow. the like movie cover is. Yeah. Obviously, they had like CGI'd it and like yeah, colorized it out a little bit. But it was like almost angle for angle frame wise, and it was just a super cool, cool, cool moment to like kind of um travel all this way, and then you, you to run into this. back
2: into that too. Yeah. It wasn't like you went there with that intention. No, you take that shot, and then you go.
1: Whoa. Yeah, he's what like did I do? he's like a location scout landed in my field with a helicopter <laughs> and he was telling us a story that basically the producer had tasked this location scout with find me heaven on earth and wow. That's And you what guys happen
0: to just take that gravel road. Yeah. It was kinda random, like Wild. you said in the beginning of that story.
1: Yep. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And you found just, it. Just, just happenstance.
0: A, well another well that and another um thing about your creative eye and willing to get off the beaten path and, that's what and I was figure thinking. out and figure out new places to shoot and new, new things to see. That's, that's cool. Yeah. It's really
1: cool. Yeah. Or, you know, like took a trip to, uh, to France and we, we were in, uh, we we're in Paris for like six days and it was just, you know, just take the train into the city and walk around all day and see what, you know, try some escargot and get, get some fromage and, and, uh, take some photos and do some walking tours and learn history and, like, just, you know, immerse yourself in the culture is, like, something I really enjoy when when I get to travel. And so, yeah very looking forward to the next trip. Is that (laughs)
0: relaxing to you? I mean, you're working all the time. You're working these crazy hours. And then uh, I didn't, you know, it's interesting for me to hear that you don't go to, like, you know, the Caribbean and you sit on the beach and you just relax for a week and decompress because you're moving, working a ton of hours, but you go to places that you're constantly busy. And I, mm-hmm. I understand the creative process there. And maybe that's what you're going to say, like an artist. Yeah. You know, they go to different places to, to get inspiration. For sure.
1: Yeah. And so, um, you know, I definitely, definitely do that. And, and I also have a, um, you know, we'll, we'll do a, like a beach trip. You know where it's like, all right, we just want to go to the, sit on the beach for three days, go to Turks and Caicos or go to Miami or something, like Washington <laughs> or yeah, yeah. <laughs> West Jeff, yeah, yeah, oh <laughs> yeah, forgot about West <laughs> Jeff, best place in the world. <laughs>
2: That's good. I was gonna say, do you know your next destination?
1: Uh, I think it has to be Italy. It's either I mean, Italy and 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 Japan are the two two next, and so I think we're gonna cut Italy in half and probably do Northern, Northern Italy. Um, you know, we're, my wife and I are pretty big into wine as well. So um,
2: cutting Italy in half is a good idea, I think,
1: because you can't, um, you can't take it all on at once. You
2: can't, there's so much, no matter which end of the, the country you're at. And CJ Pearson, who was on the episode uh, five for the Get Deep podcast said that he just He loves the fact that he takes at least two weeks. Wasn't that his rule? You have to. It's like you have to do more than two weeks. It's three, four weeks, something like that, because all your other friends are leaving, you know, after a week, and you're like, yeah, I got 10 more days.
1: Totally. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, when I was in New Zealand, most of the people we met are like, yeah, we're here for six months. It's like, that would be nice. Yeah. That would be nice. That's amazing.
0: So I got to come back to that quote that uh, Christy Holt, you know, of course, had to do my due diligence and and, uh, text her. Uh, previous to this podcast, and ask her if there's anything I should ask you about. Uh Uh-oh. Okay, look at him. He's nervous. I should have went with the other stuff she told me. I'll (laughs) go with this, though, because I wrote it down. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. I don't even know where that comes from. I'm going to drink more whiskey. Yeah, please, grab a drink. It says, have him talk about the intersection of art and business. This is an interesting topic, and Marcus does great at it. Do you understand what she means by that?
1: Yeah, no, it's, uh, It there is an intersection, you know, um, and that's where I feel like you you can, you have people that can go each side of that, very business-focused in, 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 you know, film production world. You can be very business-tracked. You can be very art-tracked where you just, budgets and, and crew and understanding of the process, just, you, you're just going to be, uh, you know, a director that just is solely focused on what what the characters are doing and being wrapped up in that. I think um, one of my strengths is being able to kind of merge those two and being um, very business minded. Um, you know, I I took some finance classes in college. I have a, a, a marketing minor um, to go along with my journalism um, major, and so. I think having an understanding for both is very critical because you can you know where you can you can push and pull within a budget. You know where you can um, spend a little more time or sweat equity or spend more money, and and it elevates the project as a whole.
2: Yeah, having worked with a number of creatives up here at Auto Media Group. Um, we're fortunate to have a lot of folks that are also balanced in their approach, but I've also had some folks that have come up that we've done a little bit of work with that lean maybe a little bit more on the artistic side. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that, except it makes it a little bit difficult to do work.
1: Right. It, yeah. And it can, it can be, it can be a little bit of limiting sometimes. Yep. Um, you know, uh, and, and so, for me as a cinematographer, or director of photography, I, I, I am the, the, the creative to technical business side bridge. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really tightly connected with the director. If there's a director attached to the project, really tightly attached with the producer because I'm interpreting what the director wants and figuring out how hell we're, we're going to get this done. How many hours do we need to shoot this scene? Uh, how many people do we need to light this in the amount of time we're giving? Um, because say, hey, uh, hey, we're 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 um, we're working with uh, we're working with the LA Lakers and um, media day starts at 10 a.m. What time do we have to be in to make sure that we have enough time to build the set, light it, and be ready at least a half an hour, forty-five minutes early? Because you know some guy's going to show up early and want to get it done. So like. You, you balance all this and then you're working with budgets and understanding, like I, I do a lot of budgeting because it's kind of thrown into my lap of like, all right, what's the camera budget? What's the lighting budget? Um, you know, working with a production designer. Um, I work with Christy Holt. I've been hiring her a lot on a lot of my projects that I'm directing as a production designer, art director. Um, and so like you work with these teams and these department heads when you're, when you're working on a bigger commercial shoot, um, and it's a uh, it's a collaboration, and so I have uh, a pretty good idea uh, on both sides of it, and so I'm kind of kind of can help like merge it all together and, and make the shoot go well, and make sure the production company doesn't lose their ass.
0: It's good. It's a good explanation of uh, of the whole process right there. Yeah. About how you are the bridge.
1: You know, like one to keep
0: everybody happy. This you know, the director to the creatives because the director. Is the director has to be creative though? too, Totally. You don't want them. You you don't want them to stifle the creatives. Don't. You know, it's a team.
1: Yeah. There's, you know, there's some things that they need to be uh, involved with, but there's a lot of minutia that they just. It's not that they shouldn't be. It's just you want them focused on the creative because you want to make it the best you can. And like, if I can assist with that a little bit and be the liaison sometimes. Um, and so I've been able to do that and I've learned from a lot of really great directors that I've worked with in the past. And, um, I've started to direct and, and, and shoot, um, direct NDP, um, a lot of projects here in the last couple of years myself. Um, I did a Minnesota lottery commercial, cup foods, um, done Woody, um, college, uh, you know, done a lot of like lower budget, I would say lower budget for me, you know, and I would say that's probably in that. Hundred to two hundred thousand dollar budget range. Um, do a, a lot of the sports stuff I do is are north of quarter million dollars into seven hundred fifty million dollar total budget ranges. Wow.
2: Yeah, Jay Long's is kind of on that may, medium budget yeah, range, higher, It's higher so usually side. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah a half mil, you know, right yeah.
1: around there. But well, the talent them. get paid to, gets paid a ton.
2: They're really they're a little egotistical, but don't yeah. don't say anything. Wow,
1: well, yeah, when you're beautiful,
2: you got to <laughs> demand a.
0: You do. (laughs) You gotta, put yeah. you gotta put your foot down, Price. Put your foot down. Hair just,
2: and makeup—they have a yeah. lot of work. Oh, just put it that way. yeah, yes. Yeah. Especially See, we, the hair team.
0: We save <laughs> a ton on my <laughs> hair budget, but unfortunately, with Matt's hair budget, he eats into it. We completely go. You're still oh, over. Way sometimes, how does that work? Way over. <laughs> I'm gonna jump back. So, did you end up thinking of uh, a particular client slash celebrity guest or whoever that was kind of a pain in the ass to work with? A little bit. Uh, Russell deep? Westbrook. Really, and why? I he's mean, a basketball player yeah, now. Yeah, he plays Russell, for the Lakers. Plays
1: yeah. for the Lakers. um I just worked with him, and he. I mean, I hate to call people assholes. I don't. It's just not my mental. Asshole. If he is what he, you know. Yeah, maybe he'll come at me
2: fits. Yeah, you know, you it, come at me, Russ. <laughs> I don't know how often he <laughs> listens. You, I'm going to call.
1: I'll call Big Cat. <laughs> I don't know. if Did you guys watch the Wolves? Did you see that the other day when the when Lakers they were, were in when town? They were talking shit to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> that might have been the best moment. It I, was pretty funny. Did you go to the game? Uh, no, I just I was I caught the highlights of it. Okay. I yeah, just, I uh, and I was like, that's hilarious. And you know what? Good for the Wolves. They haven't been good in a long time. And you know what? You it, get to talk shit every Ross once in a while. Russ talks a ton of shit. He talks a ton of to shit. Everybody. Yeah, he does. So he deserves what he got, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. Humble opinion. Hopefully the Lakers don't see this and they won't hire me. <laughs> 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 That's okay. Well, if they're listening,
0: if the Lakers organization or anybody on the Lakers is listening to the Get Deep podcast, then Wes, we're doing something right.
2: Yeah. Well, hey. it's only a matter of time. <laughs>
0: only a matter of time. So these projects, like, uh, so so break this down for the people that listen to us right now, Marcus, that are thinking, okay, he's in production, he carries a camera, <laughs> Um, that's cool. He's worked with some famous people. That's cool. He sounds sexy. That's cool. Um, but to the everyday common person, breaking down in layman's terms, what it takes behind a shoot, whether it's for a company like Hormel Foods or Cup Foods or Nature Valley or you know um, other other places like that, or like, but I think where people when they think of production,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think they think of movies. Or now you think of shows on Netflix and things like that, but because you understand the breakdown of what goes on behind the scenes, can you kind of, in very specific kind of layman's terms, break it down to what, how much does that require behind the scenes to make a show like that? Whether it's Ozark or whether Mm -hmm. you're recording a a show like, you know, do do you understand what I'm saying? Yep, yep.
1: Yeah, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of people hours that go into that. Um, there's a lot of thought and process. I mean, uh, when, when you watch a show, even if it's, you know, uh, like Ozark's a great show. Um, the, the process that goes into that, and, you know, Jason Bateman is the lead, lead in it. He also directs most of the episodes. He didn't do a lot of the season four, but he, you know, as a, as a lead actor and also directing... I can't imagine the amount of work that's on his plate right. um, because basically um, a director will start at the beginning. And so whether they're a writer director where they write the script or there's a writer that writes the script and then a director takes that over and visualizes it, storyboards it out, um, starts to put tone and pace and, and, and character influence and then you know you have multiple storylines that are going along in a lot of these shows at the same time keeping track of all of that there's there's just a lot to think about and so you know for like an you know like say your average movie or show like that like a sh- like when you're, when you're talking like episodic television a lot of those shows are shot in eight to ten days which is not a lot of time when you're trying to get all those shots and big setups and um, the pace in which they work with. Um, Whereas like you look at like a feature film, um, you know, an average like prep for like a feature film for like a a cinematographer would be anywhere from six to four months before they start shooting. And so that's six to four months. You're, you're going to an office, you're um, you're meeting with the director, you're looking at paintings and, Photographs and and other movies, and you're coming up with this inspiration book, and then starting to figure out how how these how these pieces, whether it's a lighting reference or a tonal reference or a, a character wardrobe reference or or a set design, um, you kind of start to build that movie and that and that TV show from that standpoint, um, and then you get into a a tech scouting phase and a director scouting phase where. Now you're going to find all these locations. A location scout has pulled all these places to go look, but there's a team of, you know, 10 to 20 people that are going to all these places to scout. And so, like, say in an average TV show, there's probably, I don't know, maybe 10, 10 to 12 locations per episode or something like that. It just depends on the show. But they're probably looking at 50 or 60 locations just for that episode, just, you know, multiple versions for each spot. And then they they figure out, like, okay, this this should be shot on location because it's a day exterior or it's a night exterior. Um, Or, um, you know, it's a a house or a room that they're in a lot. Okay, we're going to build this on stage so that it's always there, it's always lit, um, and it's efficient for production to be able to shoot and get it done in the timeline they have. So there's a lot of that process that goes into the pre-production. And then when it's, like, time to start your shooting – it's go time. It's like you you have it prevised, you have it you have it boarded out. You know what your schedule is per day of what scenes you're shooting, what talent's going to be there that day, um, and what you need from a lighting standpoint or a camera standpoint. Um, and so it's it's very uh, it's it has to be organized because the hourly burn rate of money <laughs> on a show like that <laughs> is just asinine, and so. you you know productions are very very conscious and producers are very very well organized to make sure that you're getting it done close to budget
2: well that helps i think folks understand why hollywood is so expensive Mm -hmm. because of how much effort and energy and creative power goes into each one of those scenes and making the magic happen um just to Think of an extreme example. I think it's Amazon Prime that has the new Lord of the Rings TV mm-hmm. series that they're launching, and that's supposed to be one of the most expensive ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I mean, everyone was a fan of Game of Thrones, right? It's most expensive yeah. TV show at the time. Um, you go into it, and you know, you imagine. So imagine driving the set, and so it's like you're on location or something. And for like, you're four miles out. Four miles out. From like where the camera is and where like actions being called, and that four mile drive is just trailers and trucks and people <laughs> and staging and semis full of lights and semis full of wardrobe and trailers and all this stuff. And like for you know like a big battle scene on Game of Thrones when they have like six hundred extras, yeah. insane. Can you imagine the the wardrobe department on this? probably fifty people, hundred people in the wardrobe department alone it's crazy to me.
0: It is really crazy and that's why I wanted you to explain that and I think you did an excellent job of that. I I think for my I can only, you know, say for me but I I don't think I appreciate when I watch a show or I watch a movie what really goes into it and then as I start to think about my creative friends that are in the business like yourself and like Jordan Powers and like Wes and you manage a lot of that and with others as well and what goes into it and it's so I think far removed from the client or from the person who's viewing it, which is on purpose. They don't, you don't want them to necessarily know all that. But I think it's important for people to know that there's a ton that goes behind it. What do you think? And I think I know the answer. I think I know the answer for me. But what do you think is the most unappreciated, unappreci- um, thing when it comes to cinematography? But yet at the same time, is one of the most important. Totally.
1: Um, I there. This is why I really uh, love. Underappreciated it. from our standpoint yeah. as a viewer, um, it's a uh, it's a harmonious dance with the with the cast essentially as cinematography, and so basically, um, the way the camera moves is how you as an audience member feel. So, for example. Um, you there's a, there's a couple camera devices you know called a dolly or a Technocrane or a Steadicam. maybe some people know about these or you'll have a, a camera like handheld so think about it like a movie like um, you know Jarhead or Zero Dark 30 or like a very like a war film and you have this very frenetic handheld camera and it's your the camera's very close to the talent and it immerses the audience in that scene and it gives you that anxiety along with the sound design and, and, and but you feel that, that um, frenetic camera move and that handheld movement that happens to, as you're following a character running from cover to cover or something like that. So that's a way that cinematography influences how you feel as an audience member. And that's what makes film excellent. Um, or you know you have you have a uh, a very traditional film where it's um like uh or even just like a show like House of Cards and you have where it's very smooth and it's very uh the framing and the cinematography of each shot is very well composed
2: breaks the fourth wall
1: Bre- yeah there's some breaking so the fourth cool. wall and in you notice in that in the show they pick the moments and when they do it it's oh, yeah. it's it's not a, a thing that happens all the time.
2: And it's always Frank yep. until eventually Kevin Spacey is axed and then it's yeah. Claire. But,
1: but, yeah, basically, um, speaking of that, Robin Wright, who plays Claire in House Cards, directed yeah. season four of Ozark.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think I remember seeing that you know, when I was watching the credits.
1: She's, you know, there's a lot of talent like that had really roll into being a director. But so... You know, there's there's different stylistic approaches to how you move the camera, whether it's handheld or moving it on a dolly track or on a big crane shot, coming down like Forrest Gump, you know, falling the leaf down, coming all the way down into Forrest Gump. Um, so y- there's different ways to tell the story. And basically, from my standpoint, when I pair up with a director, I'm always asking, okay, what do you want the audience to feel? What what What, 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 is, what is this character thinking in these moments so that we can start to – layer in lighting and camera movement and tricks so that it becomes this immersive film.
0: Wonderful answer, by the way. And with that, we are finished with the podcast. I don't know how we get better from <laughs> that. That was beautiful. I'm just kidding. A still more wish a right yeah. right. <laughs> um, I was going to, uh, you know, the one thing I was thinking about night in, you kind of blew me away with the, the dance of the cast. Like you said, I think that's beautiful. Um, I think in life, uh, dancing with the cast of uh, your own family or friends or your own businesses is, is also important, as mm-hmm. well as on your on your stage. So that's, that's a beautiful answer.
2: Karen and I dance a lot. We do,
0: but it's only after our guests leave. Prove it. Um, <laughs> well, stay long enough. You'll get it. You'll be dancing with us, Marcus. Yeah, I know. Uh, I was thinking lighting. I, I was thinking mm-hmm. lighting because there's so many things, even in like Ozark, yeah. as we were chatting about Ozark, it seems like there's like this dim kind of... Um, Kind of cast over uh, over the um, what am I trying to what's that color sepia? Mm-hmm. It's almost like this kind of sepia toned everything a, a cyan-y, it's, it's kind of yeah, cyan, kind cyan, of darker soft
1: blue. It's very they have a lot of soft uh volumetric light.
0: There's got to um, be a psychology behind all that, correct? I mean, uh, yeah. it's supposed to make
1: it's it's the viewer it's, feel it's, a certain, uh, way. it's a world in which the characters live in, and so if you Start to think about the characters in Ozark. I forget the names, the actual characters' names. Um, but basically, Ruth. Yeah, well, Ruth. <laughs> she's cray. She, yeah, cray. She's cray. She's um, But Jason Bateman's character—he's um, always under pressure, right? He's, he's like, he's so oh, cool. he, he can—he can—he can close one thing and five things pop up, and right. he's just there's this sense of um, his character having to. Um, always look over his shoulder but always need to figure out five things in a row and they have to line up very perfectly for everything to work out and in at the last minute something gets something changes and it could be something that the storyline hasn't even teased you on yet totally out of the blue right ruth comes in and just wrecks something Mm -hmm. you know Pushes that dude off the boat, and then now they're in trouble with the mob. Like yep. that's how a storyline progresses. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gosh,
0: yeah. Why are we mind blanking on uh, Jason Bateman's character's name? Because yeah, we can do this.
2: Why haven't we been? Yeah, I know that. it too. It's, know. Um, ten, but yeah, but ten. basically Marty. from a from a lighting standpoint, it's Marty, standpoint, Marty. It's a, Marty, yes, yep,
1: Marty and his wife Wendy, Wendy, Bird, Wendy Bird, Marty Bird. Job, Good job Wes. Um, there you go. Um. So basically, yeah, there. You know. It, there's a lot of um and i think it has to do with I, I haven't been to the ozarks it'd be a fun place to go looks great but i i, I th- you have this sense of just this a lot of overcast and a lot of um it's the mood and it's the vibe and the tone of the of of this crime thriller drama that that happens and so you know there's a lot of uh, a lot of intentionality put into that and then i think like they get to experiment a little bit one uh,
2: show, I don't know if you guys have watched it, it's the HBO um, Lakers show. I, I think. just started watching it. Okay. so Adam wanted, McKay. Yes. Yes. And that's actually, I, I think that's how Will Ferrell and Adam McKay kind of had a breakup because of that show. Of recently? Of recently? Yeah, really? their production company kind oh, of blew okay. up because of that, and it yep. was because John C. Riley ended up playing Coach Bus. Yeah, and he's fantastic. And Will Ferrell wanted
1: it. Yeah, and honestly, seeing John C. Riley play um, Doctor Bus, you can't imagine someone else. I can't imagine. Him. He's, he's so good, good. and charismatic. <laughs> talk about breaking the fourth wall. It yes. happens all the time in that film. Yep. I think I'm only two or three episodes, in. Well, we just only started watching two or three episodes yeah. out.
2: But the reason why I bring it up is because of uh, when you talk about lighting or trying to set a mood. They're the ones that are doing that grainy. They're, sh- how they're how shooting it on that. film. Yeah, exactly. Sixteen yeah, mil. Yeah, and so you get that like old school nineteen seventies, seventies, eighties, whatever it yeah. is, kind of feel from mm-hmm. that totally. uh, that shoot. And it's cool because it kind of comes in and out yep. within the the scenes, but it and then they definitely do some, gives you a feel.
1: They do some stuff too early on, like when when. When they're shooting from, you know, they'll set up a scene with, like, a wide shot and a medium shot or, like, a two shot of a couple characters interacting, but then you can always tell when they cut to one person's perspective, They, it, yep. I think they shoot at 8 mil almost or a different, a different film stock Yep. Um, because it's just a little bit more broken down um, than, than the overall picture, and so that's the stuff I... I just geek out over and love and well, like. How do you build this story within the story?
2: Yeah, and for audience members that don't know the show, it's a, it's an old school representation of the Lakers dynasty during mm-hmm. the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar yep. era. Yeah, so. Ma-
1: yeah, Irvin Magic Johnson. Like yeah. it starts out with them with them drafting him. And it kind of starts on their title run and their battle with the Boston Celtics. And and what is the name of that show? The Winningest.
2: Uh, The building of the Lakers, the Winningest
1: Dynasty. Yeah, HBO Lakers. Like, you Google that, it'll come up. I actually
2: pulled it up. It's Winning Time, the Rise of the Lakers Dynasty. Yeah, It's It's a horrible name because you can't remember it for shit, but uh, just Lakers,
1: HBO, you'll find it. It's it's actually a good mix of comedy and drama and like suspense, but then just like f- like some historical information that yeah. you're learning as well. And um, it's it's really a I would consider it almost a character study on Dr. Bus and just how he bought the team and came into it. John C. Riley makes it.
2: I mean, am I wrong? He's I mean, fantastic. If it wasn't for him, I don't think that the yeah. show would be nearly as compelling.
1: He, when it comes around in the award season, I guarantee he's going to be close to it. He'll be an Emmy nod for that. He should be. He should be.
2: Aaron, I feel like you have a giant list of questions. Yeah, I'm let's keep going. Memory, oh,
0: you know, I, uh, I got a few scribbles here. Uh, yeah, I got a few scribbles. Um, I was going to say, uh, Marcus, is there something, is there a movie uh, from the past, you can go f- as far back as you want, um, that you would say put Cinematography on the map, if that makes sense to you, that really had people saying, from a consumer standpoint, um, yeah. "Holy shit, that was different! Holy shit, we really felt like we were involved in that that movie or film." Yep. Um, uh, is, there, is there a movie that stands out to you that you that you could say too?
1: I mean, I I'm like I said, I'm not a huge historical movie buff. Like I I, I know a lot of films for having just like. I try to watch, you know, two to three movies a week, and that's kind of you know fun part, fun part of my job, right? <laughs> um, and so there's, a, I wouldn't say there's any specific movie for me, but there's a lot of cinematographers and that changed. And so there's like Victor, Victorio Storaro who shot um, a, a lot of classic movies. Um, you know, Roger Deakins is a very probably a little bit more household name to people. Um, can you name the film? Um, the films? Yeah, so uh, Roger Deakins has done... He did Blade Runner 2049. <laughs> were you thinking the same thing? Yeah, I I like, like, no like, one knows what you're these talking are all about. Names that Mark's <laughs> is like, <laughs> Mark's like, yeah, you know, I've
0: got his tattoo on my lower back. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah. no big
1: deal. Um, I mean, so, uh, you know, Shawshank Redemption, sure. um, oh, yeah. Sicario. Uh, yeah, the Blade Runner movie that just came out, he did... Um, <laughs> There's, I mean, I'm on the spot now, but there's, 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 I mean, tons of movies that I, I almost related to. Like, uh, I look at cinematographers and in, in their kind of catalog, you know, Greg Fraser right now is kind of taking over the world. He just did Dune. I don't know if you guys saw Dune. Yeah, I saw Dune. Um, he just did the new Batman movie that's out. Um, he did Mandalorian. Um, so there, there's, there's, I always associate with that. I, I don't have a specific film that I would tie to cinematography. There's so many for me. Let me
0: ask you this then in a a, uh, similar vein. Who's your biggest inspiration Hmm. in that world?
1: I would say, um, honestly, I mean, I would say, you know, it's probably a Roger Deakins kind of a guy who's done um, just so many movies. So many movies that are... That everyone would know, I, I would I would have to rattle off the list of, of things that sure, he's pull done. It up. We got time. Um, you pull
2: that up, Aaron. Have you seen the new Batman? I I'm going have to see not seen the
1: new Batman yet. No, I
0: have
2: not. Okay, okay. good movie. Okay, so about an hour long. Okay, uh, yeah. hour too long. I mean, hour too it's long. I was hours. like an hour long. Geez, so, that's a short movie. It was like two storylines within the movie. Okay.
1: Really? Okay. Um, you guys familiar with Coen Brother movies? Yes. Okay, so Roger Deegan's did a lot of Coen Brother movies. Old okay. um, Brother, We're Out There. Yep. Um, he did True Grit, A Serious Man, which was shot in Minneapolis. Because mm-hmm. the Coen Brothers are from St. Louis Park, where right. I live. Right. I did know that. I uh, forgot about that. Um, <laughs> Fargo, No Country for Old Men. Um Nineteen Seventeen, the assassination of Jesse James. I mean, there's you know the Big Lebowski, which is amazing. This
0: is this is quite the list. Okay, yeah, I, I see mean, your inspiration here. Okay, he
1: yep. is you know you know at the top. I would say, you know in the top five, top three. How old is this
0: this guy? He's considering two, all these movies, so he's got to be in his what late
1: sixties or something? Seventies. He's got to be closer to his seventies. Yeah, he's yeah. he's he's kind of a, a living legend, really, in, the, in sure. the world of film. Um, the man the man is he's he's from, he's from England, um, he's very, very, like, just in the way he has kind of changed cinematography from, like, an early age, but then you go, you, there's, there's a lot of, like, old school cinematographers, um, that, uh, you know, have done really great movies back in the day, um, you know, Alfred Hitchcock stuff and you yeah. know going all the way back
0: what's your opinion of Quentin Tarantino as a, a director
1: um he's like got it? he's got his style yeah I mean yeah like, like his uh, movies Inglourious Bastards I I think that's a really great movie I, I think uh um I, I do enjoy a lot of his movies uh, Robert Richardson is the cinematographer that he works with a okay. lot that does a lot of Quentin's movies um, and so you, you almost kind of see this. There's, a, there's sometimes directors and DPs kind of get paired up. And so like. Yeah, it's like most like of the director, like, but you don't know the,
0: who, is, who the cinematographer is. There yeah. a lot of directors that are also cinematographers or is that uh, two different
1: worlds? There's a, there's a few, I believe, like uh, P.T. Am- Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson um, shoots a lot of his own stuff. Um, okay. And would there be a movie that we would recognize or something that we would be able to um, kind of uh, relate to? This is where this is where my memory sucks. Like I know these guys, and I like I know the movie. I just
2: I went to a movie earlier this week in theaters, and I can't even remember which one it exactly. was. So I don't blame you at all. <laughs> um, People always ask me that. I was actually in the store at Jay Long's it's the other uh, day, and Brianna did, asked me um,
1: that. He just did uh, uh, licorice pizza, which just came out. Um, but he did, <laughs> you, know, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's you know, it's He does a lot of kind of indie-ish. They're they're bigger budget films, but they're indie. So he did like Punch Drunk Love, Inherent Vice, okay, um, nice. The Master, Boogie Nights, Boogie Nights, Phantom Thread, that was a throwback. Um, you know who
2: doesn't like a little Burt Reynolds and Mark Wahlberg? Mm-hmm.
1: Huh? Right. Marky Mark. That's right. Um, yeah. So like the, you know, there's. Uh, Anyone wants to come watch movies? Let's maybe we do a movie night here. Omg, <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. You,
0: you should uh, you should set that up, buddy. Um, you can call it. Uh, actually, I think I've already got a name for you. Oh, um, it's a little premature because I was going to bring this up towards the end, but um, you've got Cinemark, and then I think we call it Cinemarcus. Um, what do you think of that? Well, there, a, it'll be a movie night or
1: something like yeah, that. Yeah, we could do that because there, you know, there's Marcus theaters and there's also Cinemark theaters, so right? It's like yeah, right well, in the middle there,
0: Cinemark. Perfect. Or we could also call it uh, what's on tap. Ooh, if you like uh, that, uh, you because then we could pair it with bourbon. Yes, you could also <laughs> pair it with bourbon, but obviously, everything off. goes good with bourbon. Marcus, everything. Marcus's <laughs> last name is Taplin, so what's on tap? Um, and he, you know it could be a movie night, or it could be following his travels. Um, this one was the third one I had, uh, which I was going to save till the end, but must well throw it out now. And this is if Marcus decides to get into the um, let's see, uh, porn industry. Not because he's the talent, but because he wants to be behind the camera. It'd be called "I'd tap that." <laughs>
2: yeah that's interesting <laughs> of the why many- are you getting
0: up <laughs> are you going to the bathroom no no i'm, I'm getting more bourbon <laughs> oh okay perfect okay oh we're, <laughs> we're hoarding <laughs> the bourbon i thought maybe <laughs> he was
1: leaving he was like this is getting
0: too deep for me and only
1: uh, only if, if we're if we're going down that smutton road of porn you are the fluffer Aaron. <laughs> perfect <laughs> i will be whatever it needs I
0: need, I need to be i'm i'm a team uh player if you will so I love it. Uh, speaking of which, uh, any famous cinematographers that you respect in the industry of porn?
1: <laughs> I don't know any. I don't, it, a lot of it's homemade, right? Liar.
2: Well, little known fact, Marcus actually place. No, I'm going to go deeper <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I was going to say, Marcus okay. is actually the man behind the camera When it comes to the casting couch
0: Little so. did you know, what little old Marcus <laughs> from the City of Lakes Yeah, there
1: you <laughs> go, that's how we got to start Now you're going to get me in trouble with my wife? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Emily
2: Well, I'll yeah. change the topic, but I'm going to steer us off a of video If <laughs> if you're done, Aaron, I don't want to jump like around too oh, much I got all
0: sorts of stuff, I, you know, things, but yes, please
2: Okay uh, both Aaron and I are aware. I think, thanks to Christy, she's the one that's informed us of a certain ice house Airbnb business that's pretty unique. If you want to maybe enlighten the audience on that one,
1: yeah. Um, you
0: know, so we- Mark, Marcus. So I'm going li- to just lay this yeah. out. A little. So Marcus, obviously, he, he, your full time job is is uh, behind the scenes as director of photography. Photography. Um, and whatnot, but he also decided to be smart, which he is very smart for doing so entrepreneurial, he's entrepreneurial getting into other, uh, avenues. So that's where Wes is going with this.
1: Yeah. So I've, um, you know, I've, I've had a, uh, affinity and kind of a love for real estate. Um, and so, and it's been a. It's been a um, a thing that since I've been, I don't know, I'm, I'm 33 now, and since I've been about 27, 28, I had a goal. I want to buy a commercial real estate property. I want to start to invest in my retirement as a self-employed person. Like, I don't know, I have important. a 401k. Um, I don't have a self-directed 401k right now. I should probably work on that. Um, but real estate was kind of my one of my things that I started to really get in um, love, and so um, I've, I've kind of worked towards that. Um, I have some multifamily properties that I own and, and, and manage right now. Um, but then basically a couple of years ago, uh, I have a friend who's a fishing guide up on Malax, And we um, uh, kind of rehashed a, um, a business that he was doing um, before that just kind of like, it's a lot of work. It's a la- very labor-intensive business. And so... Um, you know, he partnered with me and we kind of structured it and branded it. And basically we have a company called Ice Camp Outfitters, which is a, uh, a destinational, um, overnight luxury fish house, sleeper trip type of, uh, business. So luxury ice house, luxury ice house, my,
2: my kind of thing with each one. If I understand correctly, I haven't done a ton of research. This is what Christie has told me. Each one has its own theme. Is that a fair way to put it?
1: Yeah, they, we we've we've themed them a little bit. We've branded it in in such a way, um, but it's it's a uh, it's bringing all the accommodations of home out on the ice. And so you know, Minnesota is I mean, land of ten thousand lakes, and we have national parks and national forests. And you know, a lot of people love to get outdoors. Oh yeah, especially in the summer. And it's like oh, there's a lot of people that do it in the winter, and but there's a lot of people that just don't because they don't. You know they can't afford to buy a seventy thousand dollar fish house and and do it, or... or they don't
0: consider themselves a winter
1: outdoorsy exactly. person
0: like myself. Same, but
1: and we're breaking that barrier. We're we're allowing access to people that want to come up for a bachelor party, want to work from work from a fish house for like four days, and like you know this environment has allowed that, or people that want to take a quick family vacation. You know we're we're. Just under uh, an hour and a half, a hundred miles from the cities, and you know, um, we we kind of take all that in, and it's very. Um, we're an outfitter, so basically, you show up and um, we meet you at a bait store, get you set up with all the tackle you need, get you hooked up with the bait, escort you out to the fish house, walk you through it. Um, show you how the fish house works. And then you live in a fish house for two days and you get to play cards and watch TV and sit by the fireplace. that's in the fish house, drink bourbon while fishing. It sounds amazing.
2: How many fish houses do you have now? Uh, we have 10 and each one is unique or are they, some of them similar? some,
1: Some of them have some themes. Um, there's a couple that Christy, uh, she actually helped kind of like interior design a little bit for us. Um, but then we have, um, like, brand new um, fish houses. And so, like, if, you know, fish house rentals isn't a new thing, but there's a very old way of thinking about it, Grumpy Old Men style, where it's like a shack and it's plywood or you see the insulation on the inside and it's very just rugged. Get her done. Exactly. And I, Grumpy Old Men is, like, one of my favorite movies. I watch it every <laughs> Christmas. Good one. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of people that want to experience ice fishing but want the amenities. There'd
0: be no way that I could get my wife up there to do that at all, unless it was in a situation like that, where she knew that mm-hmm. everything was taken care of. And, um, and, and most likely she'd just sit back and, and we'd, we'd bring the things to make Moscow meals cause that's her jam totally. or wine, but she could sit back and fish if she wanted to. And then, take a break for three hours and not put a line in the water at all and just chill ice houses are and, fun and that they are and I think that's such a cool concept because I know when you and I talked Marcus um, a couple of years ago about when you were kind of first starting to to, to do this um, I don't know what you call them luxury fish houses or whatever you call yeah. it but I was like that's a genius idea because people will pay the money for the experience yep. but they don't want to have to do all the work to it, pull it off the ice It's to a deal hassle. with the shit yep and uh it's been going well from been, my understanding you guys have well. you've you've done some great business with them people are receptive and that's yeah that's
1: awesome we've yeah it's been very successful um you know we've been doing it for a couple of years now and um the growth has been excellent and and basically we it's because we have a full customer service along it like i have employees that Fill the generators, make sure the propanes in and everything, and they're they're there. They're checking on people. Um, you know, there's plowing roads. I mean, it's windy and it's winter, right, in Minnesota, and it can get very brutal. So, but basically, you're in a warm fish house um, that can sleep four people, can sleep six people, and it's like fishing out of your living room. You know, you're just you're hanging there, and the nice thing about Malax is, you know, we're mo- mainly targeting walleye, and it's usually a night bite, so it really plays into that overnight stay. Um, sleeper, where you put the rattle reels down and you can actively fish if you'd like, but a majority of the fish are caught on just a set line or a rattle reel. And so like you set your set lines down, cooking dinner playing cards playing board games reading a book whatever like you just hang out
2: I'll say some of the best sex I ever had was in a nice house exactly I think Molly really needs to get out there with Aaron I'm just saying I think uh, if you're working on baby number three are you talking about your sister or my wife oh geez they're both named Molly no 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 no. don't start don't start rumors Aaron don't start rumors I'm suggesting for you to bring Molly out and I'm talking about this is his first show back from having a (laughs)
1: brand new newborn (laughs) you think he's going to Work on three right away. <laughs> yeah, you know it's been like six weeks. Okay, since I. I what is
2: sex? Yeah. anybody you know?
1: Go. Anybody know?
0: <laughs> no, I do. I do love my wife. Hi, Molly. And I, I do love the concept of these ice fishing houses. In fact, I'd love to. Uh, you and I talked earlier about doing some collaboration and cross marketing with that. Um, I would like you to tell people that are listening where they go to book these, and yep. if there is not that you need to. Mm-hmm hate to put you on the spot but if there's any sort of thing they should type in if they heard us on this podcast they can, can do that if there's no discounts yeah. no problem no,
1: no, no. we can we can <laughs> work on a promo code i, maybe, I mean i run it, the website maybe so get I get deep, it in there.
0: maybe a get deep on the code or deep yeah get deep i mean it works fishing. yeah we're fishing get so, deep yeah, so um, where do people go for the website? And only if you want to provide any sort of code, you do so. If you don't, it's no problem.
1: I, I, I take in most of the bookings. so if you tell me you heard on Get Deep, we'll, we'll hook you up. Um, basically, IceCamp.com. IceCamp.com. Simple, easy. I love it. Um, What's the
2: average cost for, like, a, a two-day deal?
1: Yeah, so it kind of breaks down, and depends on, um, you know, we have, um, you know, weekends are very high demand, um, and there's a lot of... Uh, you know um, affordability during the week if people can get out on a, a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night if they want to plan a vacation around it. Um, but you know it kind of averages anywhere from about a hundred and twenty five hundred and thirty dollars per person per night, okay. um, to about a hundred dollars. You know you get economy of a scale once you get like six people in a house, right? Um, and that's you know it's not a guided fishing trip, but. We work with a guide service who we move our houses one to two times a week, cool. and after after to keep them on fresh ice to keep chasing active fish, and so we 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 go to go to that work, um, and then you know you show up and you don't really have to worry about anything
2: one more time on the name
1: icecamp.com
2: okay it's unfortunate that we're probably at the end of the season for that right I mean, yeah we
1: are shut down but we are taking bookings for next year and we've had a lot of people already started to book cool. in march here for next january and next february so i think we've got to cool. jump on that Wes,
0: we got to figure that out we got to go do it and then be able to talk about it intelligently on this podcast yeah someone i to give one away someone That'll needs a write-off fun. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, Always. I I I suppose well so, right? All self-employed individuals. <laughs>
0: <Exactly. here. laughs> how do I write this off? i I love it. So, Marcus, you got a lot of things going on. You got some real estate. You got the ice, um, the ice houses. You've got obviously your production career. Everything else. What keeps what? Uh, how do you stay motivated? Like, do you what gets you up in the morning? Is it the excitement of the next project? Do you slam Red Bulls? Do you are you a big coffee guy? Do you also get passionate about that? Like, how do you go from one project to the next and stay excited slash motivated?
1: Well, I think that's what excites me. And that was one of the reasons I kind of left Fox is because it was, um, it was the same thing every day. It was just two different teams, right? And so that's why I really transitioned into video production because it's a different project. I mean, and it's a whole different set of challenges. And so that's what excites me. The, I am challenged in everything I do. And, um, that's what motivates me. That's what drives me to, um, you know, do my best. And, you know, as a freelancer, um, you know, I own a production company and more of an entity for tax purposes. And I do do some production through it, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a hired gun as a director or cinematographer for the most part hired by ad agencies or production companies. And so, um you know w- i was given a piece of advice by a mentor of mine who is a pretty successful cinematographer um you're only as good as your last job <laughs> and what better motivation than right. that right yeah absolutely yeah.
2: it's a great way to measure yourself especially in a space where what your if, work is always speaking for itself what have you done for me lately yep. is <laughs> essentially what you mean by that mm-hmm. right yeah well you touched on something that i think is uh, a cool possibility for someone in your shoes, which is the production company piece. You mm-hmm. mentioned that you're mostly a hired gun. Have you ever considered developing some IP and developing a, a production company around that, whether it's a TV show or a movie, um, and then going to a studio and selling it?
1: Yeah, so I'm I'm actually working on a project right now that we're involved with. Um, we're selling. Um, so uh, a, a Bethany grad that I went to school with. His name is Jonathan Hartwig. He is a producer, lives down in Austin, Texas now, um, and him and a couple of investigative journalists um, that have you know, won some actual cool awards in, in that sector um, about a year and a half ago, two years now, now I suppose. We developed a, um, we got a lead on a terrible story um, about a indigenous woman that was murdered were found dead in Montana and so we went out there and boots on the ground and developed a story developed a documentary around this and basically we're in a pitching process with Netflix and HBO and A&E right now trying to figure out who wants to buy the series who wants to fund it Um, and so I have some I have some investment points in that um, as just kind of being you know part of the process on that and um, you know, so, so developing a series like that has been a very fun way of doing it where we're fronting all the costs. we're putting in all these free labor hours just to try and put together a pitch so that you can sell it to uh, a distribution company.
2: Right. So what's your role in that specific process on this project?
1: Um, so I, you know, basically, I'm, I'm not really the director on it, but we don't have a director. So. Um, it's kind of three producers and me as a cinematographer, who's also kind of visually directing. Um, but we have, you know, the producers are kind of more story producers conducting the interviews, doing the research, (laughs) submitting FOIA requests to get (laughs) police documents and, and autopsy reports and all this, you know, all that goes into it. And it's, you know, it's been a very, very fun, it's a true crime piece basically.
2: Well, and that's cool, and I think the business end of, of my world makes me very interested in what that process looks like. I assume that you're hoping for multiple offers from each one of these potential houses. Um, first of all, maybe you can't get into it, but have you gotten any offers, and do you get to play those off of each other at all, or how does that work? It
1: has been an up-and-down roller coaster. We're still in limbo right now, and it's like we're, we're partnered with... Um, another company that's a, uh, kind of a news organization, um, and an agent and an entertainment lawyer to help kind of represent us and get us in front, get us in, into those meetings. Um, and basically, you know, we had, we had offers from A&E and then, it, um, we got, our agent got us in front of Netflix and we got to like multiple rounds, like to the, the end of the end where it was Netflix was offering something. um, But then basically it was like, we're going to lose too much creative control. And so we're like, "Eh, we don't know if this is the right thing. So we kind of started to look at other places, you know, um, and then started going down this road with A&E. And there's so, it's such a, (laughs) such a litigation heavy thing when you're dealing with contracts and, who gets creative control who is a decision maker who where how's the budget structured how much are you going to pay what is this what is the what is it is it a is it a one hour like series is it a six-part mini series like like what amount of stories there so there's a lot of a lot of process in there and it's still not to the point of having been signed or anything like that we're kind of in this holding period right now to see if we're basically looking at going out one more time to kind of further develop it but i've been out to montana like 6 times working on this thing and we're just self-funding it to collecting interviews collecting b-roll and the story is fucking wild man it's fucking
0: wild do Do we have a name for that yet, or is it still early stages where it could change, it's still moldable, Um, or are we trying to keep it under wraps here?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's not really keeping it under wraps. I mean, we have exclusivity contracts with with some of the talent, so it's not like there's a whole lot there that can be done, but basically there's a a girl that was, um, you know, 16 years old on New Year's that was trying to go home and got left at a rest stop and then... Her family. She just never came home, and her family searched for her for 20-some days and then finally found her, and there's just a lot of mystery behind how it went down, the people that were in the car that left her there and, like, their stories matching up with speculative stories from family members, and, like, you know, we're just exploring this and just trying to be true to trying to figure out what actually happened.
2: Is there a name yet?
1: Um, yeah, so, well, it's kind of... It's a working title, basically, it would be uh, uh, Not Afraid. Um, the girl's name is Selena Not Afraid.
2: Okay. Wow. Well, it'll be really cool if that ends up coming to fruition, especially with some streaming services that folks know and we can,
1: I, Yeah, I mean, know, it, it becomes it would popular. Be, it would be super cool because it would be kind of my first, like, credited um, project on a, on a, I mean, I've done some, I, ha- I have some credits on Netflix shows as um, as a, as a Uh, A camera operator um, Not as like a lead cinematographer on a show But I I mean I have quite a few Netflix Credits but this would be my first as like An actual lead cinematographer on it So hopefully something like that works out In the next six to eight months we'll see Yeah I'd love to pick your
2: brain a little bit more Offline because that whole process And the nitty gritty of it probably isn't super Interesting to the audience but to folks in Industry that's a cool thing
1: Yeah,
0: Marcus how old are you? I'm 33 years old 33 years old so last question, but probably not because we, you know, this put on this fun. path it's and and all those things. But where do you, where where does Marcus see himself in, in 10 years from now at, uh, 43 years old? Or maybe if you want to jump further, we could go to uh, 53 years old in 20 years. But like, where do you see your career? Obviously you're having a lot of fun here. You've had a lot of success and you've got, uh, multiple streams of income going on here, which is super smart. Um, where do you see yourself? Uh, what do you see yourself doing? What's maybe, or if you want to take a little bit more of, what's your
1: ultimate goal, um, pinnacle? To pick and choose what I want to do on a day to day basis, and I think a lot of people, that's a very common thing. You know, it's a very uh, American thing to, to want to do. Um, and basically, w- what that means is, you know, in a, in a perfect world, maybe I'm working on one or two movies a year, and then maybe during the summer I'm get to chill out at my land up in Ely and hang out and live in the forest and like recharge and reconnect or travel and, and do that. And, and basically just be able to be a little more present in, in your daily life and uh, a little more mindful in, in what you're doing and like how you're doing things. And I think that will be by not having uh, like right now I'm in such a just a rush a daily daily I, mean, I have multiple things happening wide gamut of people calling me all day long or emailing me all day long so just getting to a point where I can kind of have a lot of that developed and set up and then it's basically I'm, I'm, I'm able to focus on what I want to focus on and, and hang out with the people I want to hang out with and, and do what I want to do it's wonderful freedom time freedom Yep. Yeah, teach. I think it's the goal of a lot of the self-employed, right? Mm-hmm. I think
2: that's the reason why a lot of us got into it. And um,
1: But then also, like, like doing it from a, a right standpoint, too. Being a good human uh, oh, to yeah. all people and, like, creating opportunities for other people, mentoring other people um, in different avenues. You know, that's something I've, I've always said that I guess I could fall back if all this fails at some point i can maybe go teach college somewhere and do
2: or pick up that bartending (laughs) yeah yeah bartending (laughs) (laughs) Uh, i'll go one step further before we close out which is because i think this is the nitty-gritty that helps other people think about their future and probably accomplishing that same goal what do you think of the things that you're doing in your own career is going to get you closer to that goal is it going to be the multi-income stream and and moving harder and farther into real estate investments that create that type of income stream that allows you to pick and choose? Or is it going to be because you're obviously super talented at what you do, and so you're going to be able to demand the kind of price and
1: pick the projects just based on your own professional career? I would, my, my hope would be both of those silos kind of running simultaneously. And, you know, demanding demanding a higher rate for my services because i'm working on higher budget projects um but also building a a little bit of a net worth through a real estate uh portfolio um to allow me to pick and choose the projects i want to do and I, I look at those as kind of yin and yang to allow me to do that and it's right now in my 30s i, I know i got a lot of work ahead of me to try and get to that point. Um, and just being able to do that and you know a lot of people knock landlords and housing and all this stuff but it's like there's always going to be that and and I feel like if I uh, as a very um grounded individual person I can you know allow opportunities and be a good landlord or be a good person that to and allow people to have a, a good home that they can that's affordable to them to and 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 not be that not present person um at least in the interim.
2: Yeah. Well, I think you're on track for both really leading you in that direction. So congratulations to you. It's been a pleasure having the conversation and getting to know you because I've always known you more so through our mutual connection. So it's good to be able to put the face to the name and have the deeper conversations.
1: Yeah, this has been this has been fun getting deep. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Marcus Tyler Taplin. <laughs> uh, you're the man. I appreciate all your work, and uh, thank you for joining us on the Get Deep Podcast.